Hey, good morning. My name is Israel, and I'm broadcasting live from Lagos, Nigeria. Um, this morning, we would, the Lord would want us to look at something extremely important to our well-being. And this is the only way we can live a life that is well-pleasing, a life that is most excellent before the Lord. Um, every time you search the scriptures, you would always come across certain things that we need to pay more attention to. So this morning, I'll be speaking about the seven accepts of Jesus, a key to living a life most excellent before the Lord. Um, and I'd like to pick our text from the book of Luke, chapter number 13, verse 105. And I quote using the King James Version. It says, They were present at the season, some that had told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them suppose ye that these galileans were more sinners above all the galileans because they suffered such things verse 3 says i tell you nay except ye repent you shall all likewise perish oh let me take that verse again i tell you nay but except ye repent you shall all likewise perish that's in um, luke chapter number 13 verse 3 Except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. So it seems as if Jesus is saying something very vital there. That um, except you repent, you will perish. And I'm very happy that is in the New Testament and not the Old Testament. If it was in the Old Testament, you would possibly say that's Old Testament. But this is the New Testament and that is coming straight from the mouth of Jesus himself. The offer of life. Can the author of life say that some people would also perish? That's a very capital yes. Capital yes. It's there. You can confirm it in whatever version of the Bible you are reading and whatever language of the Bible that you are also reading and in whatever nation of the world that you may be listening to me from. So it means that the message of repentance is about the most important message. I, I remember clearly, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's called the intertestamental period. And, or you call it the dark era or the silent age, when there was no communication between, between heaven and earth for a season of about 400 years. Heaven never said anything until the first preacher called John the Baptist was raised. And the only message that John the Baptist preached was also the message of repentance. So it means that as a New Testament believer, as a Christian that dwells in the New Testament, as a Christian that lives at the end time, the message of repentance is about, the, if not about, it is the most important message. If heaven had been silent for 400 years and the first message that heaven sends to John the Baptist is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It means for anyone to enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, repentance is the number one requirement. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So the prerequisite or the requirement for the kingdom of God is repentance. By the time Jesus also started his ministry, you can confirm this in Matthew chapter 3 verse 2, Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, the first message Jesus also preached was the message of the kingdom. Repentance precedes the coming into the kingdom. Shall we now say that a lot of people claim to be born again, they claim to have been converted, they claim to be working with God, but when you look at, at their lives, you, you would ask yourself, have they really repented? What does it mean to repent? I had to go back to the scriptures to go and start searching to be very sure that we are not mistaken. I had to 
take my time to look at verses that have to do with that. The first message in the New Testament is Matthew chapter 3 verse 2, talking about repentance. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, also talking about repentance. Then I also went to the book of Revelation. You, you get this in Revelation chapter 2 verse 5, Revelation chapter 2 verse 16, Revelation 3 3, Revelation 3 19. Where the Bible keeps saying, repent therefore from the height that thou art falling. So if Matthew is talking about repentance, Revelation is also talking about repentance. That is the rebukes of the seven, ch- of the seven churches. This is what scares me. If the Bible is talking about seven churches, and out of seven, about five of those churches, the Lord had to tell them to repent, to repent, to repent. It means if you bring every seven denomination churches, or seven churches, many would, ha- many would have things that they need to repent of. When I say church, I'm not just talking about the building, the structure. You are the church. You are the ecclesia. You are the called out ones. You are the chosen ones. It is you that represents the church. Don't forget the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 that that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The gate of hell is not fighting the stones and the buildings. It's fighting you. You are the church that Jesus is talking about. So it says, repent from the height where you are falling. Repent. What does it mean to repent? Good. To repent is to turn around totally. To repent is to turn around. To repent is to is 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 for you to accept that you've made mistakes, to acknowledge your sins. The Bible says, Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight, that you are proved when you speak and justified when you judge. That's what repentance means. The Bible says in, in Mark chapter one, verse verse fifteen. Mark chapter 6 verse 12. It says, repent and believe the gospel. So you cannot believe the gospel if you have not repented. Why a lot of unbelieving believers, people call themselves believers, and yet they still lack faith, is because they have not truly repented. When you repent fully, something comes in you. No wonder David cried out. He said, cast me not away from your presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. Every time the joy of salvation is being snuffed out of your life, every time that you are not being joyful, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Every time that joy that you are not, that you are, you are no longer getting excited about Christianity, about your faith, check it. There may be some little little sins that have crept into your life. Yes. Except ye repent, you shall perish. The Bible says, you repent then forgiveness will come. You get that in Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 4. Until you repent, the Lord will not forgive. Yes, I know they've always said, just ask the Lord, he will forgive. But there is something the Lord is asking us of, which is for us to repent. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, said, repent and be ye baptized. So if you have not repented, you do not need to be baptized. What about baptism? So before we are water baptized, we also need to repent. If, you, if we have not truly repented, and we now enroll in a baptismal class, I hope you know that there are three types of baptisms. The baptism of the water, of the spirit, and of the fire. And even as far back as Old Testament, water ba- baptism had been institutionalized. It's been there. All those that Moses carried into, into the Red Sea, the New Testament was telling us that that was a typology of water baptism. But of course, the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. In the New Testament, things are more clearly. 
So the Bible says that you need to repent and be baptized. If you have not repented and, and you claim you have been baptized, you have only been transformed from a dry sinner to a wet sinner. When you are baptized, things have to open. Things have to happen in your life. For example, when Jesus Christ was baptized, the Bible said the heaven was opened. When you are baptized, you are passing on to open heaven. And the Holy Ghost came upon him in form of a dove. So baptism should bring an outpouring of the Spirit upon your life. These are the realities of the New Testament. It's there in the Bible. And then it also brings a confirmation from heaven upon your life. Saying, this is our beloved son, him, whom we are well pleased with. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3 verse 19, that repent and be ye converted. So you cannot be converted until you have repented. Please let me say this again. You cannot. That was why John the Baptist was saying that bring fruits worthy of repentance. Bring fruits worthy. So repentance must come with fruits. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you have repented, it's a thing of the heart. Then you begin to manifest. You begin to bear fruits. So repentance comes with fruits. The bearing of fruits. Yes. Repent for the remission of your sins. So when, when you repent, <laughs> the Lord forgives. It's there in the Bible. But I think where we are deceived is what is in Romans chapter 11 verse 29 that says for the gift and the calling of God is without repentance. Yes. He has gifted you, has engraced you. You carry the gifts of God. I agree fully. But the Bible says for the gift and the calling are without repentance. So even when it seems as if you are, you are obviously living in sin, you may still be manifesting the gifts of God. You may be laying, laying hands on people and things are still happening. Well, if you have mastered how to provoke the anointing, Things may happen, but that does not mean that everyone is happy. Please. That's why the Bible was saying in Matthew chapter, I think, 7, verse 21 to 22, that in the last days I will say, I know you not, you workers of iniquity. Even though you have said, in my name we cast out demons. Yes. People can also cast out demons using the power of Beelzebub. Yes. It's in the scriptures. But the Bible says, now God has commanded all men to repent. It is there. God commanded all men, all men to repent. But my, my fear is this. Repentance can sometimes be late. You know why? For there is no repentance in the grave. There is no repentance in the grave. Repentance can be late. For it is appointed for a man to die once and after death is judgment. The moment death close your eyes, bam, repentance is late. It's good to repent at a time that, that, that um, there is still grace for you to achieve more using the power of the Spirit. Yes. Genesis chapter 6 verse 6, the Bible says, in fact, about 11 times in the scriptures, I saw you Bible and the Lord repented. Even God himself repented. How do I know? For God repented that he had formed man. Yes. The Lord wanted Saul as king. After some time, God repented and changed his mind. And then, and, and ask them, a prophet to go anoint David as king. The Lord can change his mind. So if God can change his mind, I think every other human being should be able to change their mind, should be able to renew their mind, should be able to ask the Lord to give them the grace for genuine repentance. What are the things you need to repent on? Of 1 John, 1 John chapter um, 
5 verse 17. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. So you have to repent of the world. Please listen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if any man loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. And if the love of the Father is not in you, it may be the love of the world, the love of Satan, the lust, the lusts and your self-will. So you have to repent from sin. Anything that does not glorify God is sin. You have to repent of the world, number two. You have to repent of lusts. What are the lusts? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These were the three things that Satan tried to tempt Jesus with. Say, look, and I will give you the kingdom. Look, the lust of the eyes. Uh, I, I will make all these things to bow. The lust of, 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 of the flesh. Yes, the kingdoms of the world and the pride of life. And I will give you up to half of the kingdom. And what many people don't understand is that the kingdom already belongs to us because the Bible says, for Satan has fallen. How do I know? The Bible says, I see Satan fall as lightning in the sky. He's falling. He's falling. He's falling. Babylon is falling. Don't put your trust, don't put your hope in it. Babylon is falling. It is already in the scriptures. Then you have to repent of your self-will. The second thing the second key that will make you to live a life that is most pleasing before the Lord can be found in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. If any preacher has told you that you are going to heaven, and I, so I will plead with you. Ask the preacher to show you the keys that guarantees it. Keys grants access. If you don't have a key, you cannot open the door. You cannot, you cannot be granted access. If you don't have the biometrics that opens the door, access, you cannot get in. You don't gain entrance. I would not want you to deceive yourself. I would not want you to live under self-delusion. The truth is the truth. And the gospel truth is the gospel truth. So friendly, irrespective of the continent that you live in. The standard of God can never, can never, can never be lowered. How do I know? Psalm 9 verse 17 says something very brilliant. And all the nations that forget God, including the wicked, it shall turn into hell. All the nations. In fact, God has not even said... All the, all the individuals. It does not mind. It can turn nations into hell. The scripture cannot be broken. The scripture is ye and amen. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. In heaven it is settled. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. In heaven it is settled. All the nations that forget God. All the nations. All the nations. All the nations. All the nations. All the continents. He's done it before. Go and ask Sodom and Gomorrah. They were nations, two nations. The Lord wiped them out. It's in the scriptures. What of in the days of Noah? Have you not read it? The whole world. He's not even talking about continents. He's not talking about, um, about North America, the Asia, the um, Africa. No, 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 no. All the nations. The whole world. And nobody would dare to query him. It's because you are alive, you think... Uh, God's authority can be questioned. The Bible is, is the final judgment, the final habitat of man. Every man shall be judged from this book. Nations, 
powerful men, brilliant men, men of honor, men of power, men of riches, men of understanding, professors, presidents of nations. The Bible, the Bible is just the final standard, irrespective of your thought or your opinion. I said it earlier, the Lord will never lower his standard. So the second key says, except ye be converted. Let me say this clearly. What is conversion? Conversion is the fruits that you bear because of your repentance. John the Baptist was saying that. Bring fruits worthy of repentance. Show us the manifestations. Stop saying, God knows I have repented. When you say God knows that you have repented, let man, let your neighbors, let people around you also bear you witness that those things you used to do, you do them no more. Those things you used to do, you do them no more. Let people be able to look at you and bear witness that truly this man has changed. Let people be able to see fruits in you. We cannot live in sin and ask the grace of God to abound. If you want to live a life that is pleasing to God, you cannot live in sin. No. You've got to be very open. You've got to live open. Sin. All manners of sin. I'm sure you know it. All manners. Whatever does not glorify God. Whatever is not done in faith, it's sin. All nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. So hell is a reality. It's a biblical reality. It exists. To be converted means you have to bear fruit. Men have to see it in you. There has to be testimony over your life. The testimony of your faith. The confession of your faith. That now you used to be this, but things are changing. It's there in the scriptures. The, the third key. It's in John chapter 3 verse 3. Very popular. And that's what many of us quote most. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Permit me to say this truth. When you are born again, it only opens your eyes to see the kingdom. It does not guarantee you entering into the kingdom. It does not guarantee your entrance. Mm. <laughs> when you are born again, it only opens your eyes to see. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. For the, if the prince of this, um, if darkness had known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. Least the glorious light of the gospel should shine upon us. That, see, one of the things that the devil is fighting is that he does not want our eyes of understanding to be enlightened through the knowledge of him. That's why Paul keeps saying that you may know the will of God, that you may know the hope of his calling, and that your eyes may be enlightened. Satan wants you, maybe you're in the church or you're in your own country, and you claim to be a Christian, a pastor, a worker. For as long as you are still walking in the dark, Satan does not mind. Don't forget that Jesus is the light. I am the light of the world. No man that follows me will stumble. So why do we claim we are following him and we are stumbling? It means that we are not following him based on the revelation of his word. It's in the scriptures. How come the first language that God spoke in Genesis chapter, chapter 1 verse 3 was let there be light? It's the language of light. So a Christian or anyone that really wants to make impact, that wants to live a life of purity, power, and significance, must, de must daily search the scriptures, must daily look for the light, the revelation of the light. 
Is it not clear to you that the word of God is light? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is light. So the more you search the scriptures, the more you find life, the more you find light, and the more you are liberated. So being born again, surrendering your life to God, either as an altar call or in your house or via this podcast, it does one thing to you, clearly. It sheds light, ability to understand the scriptures. And the Bible says, search the scripture for in it is life. So the more you listen to sound messages that will not compromise. I wonder whole time religion. Old time religion, I wonder, old time religion, it's good enough for me. Give me the whole time religion. Old time religion, give me the whole time religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that whole time religion. Old time religion, give me the whole time religion. It's good enough for me. The old time religion, said, except ye be converted. So, the conversion is the fruit that you begin to bear. Three, now it says, except ye be born again. Have you seen the steps? Except ye now be born again. Now, let me say this. When you are born again, it only opens your eyes. I'm saying that again, retreating it. It opens your eyes to see, but you do not enter. Now, if you are born once, Cornelius was saying, how can a man be born again? Shall I now enter into my mother's womb? No. To be born again means to be born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Now, praising my Savior, the Lord. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior, all that belong. To be born again means to be born of the Spirit. Don't forget that God is a spirit and the Holy Ghost is also a spirit and Jesus is also a spirit now. Even though he was once in the flesh, he was once physical on earth. So if God be a spirit, then you also have to be able to live a life of the spirit. And unless you are, you are begotten by the spirit, unless you are born of the spirit, you cannot live a life that pleases God. Because no man in the flesh can please the spirit. You've got to step into the spirit. That's why the, the, the prophet should always say that, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You've got to learn, learn to swap into the spirit. The Bible says, if you live in the spirit, then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why are we fulfilling the, the, the lust of the flesh? It's because we are, we are not living in the spirit because we have not learned, we've not mastered how to live in the spirit. The Bible says, now the hour has come that they that must worship God, must worship God in truth and in spirit. If you must be a worshiper, you've got to be a worshiper in the spirit. Spirit and not in the flesh. You've got to worship God in the spirit. That's what the Bible says again. <laughs> but all these things, are they, are they are clearly written in the scriptures. You've got to learn to live in the spirit. Now, if a man is born once, he will die twice. Let me explain that again. If a man is born once, he will die twice. If a man is born twice, he will die once. Let me explain that. If all that you are born is biological, if you are of the biological process or of your parents, in simple English, and you, have, and you are not born of the spirit, on the long run, you will die physically, physical death, and also die the spiritual death. Yes, on, 
it's there in the Bible. But if you are born twice, now you are born physically and you are born of the spirit. You will only die the physical death, but there will be resurrection. Because the Bible says in the last days, all the saints shall resurrect. They that have slept in the Lord. Yes. And we that we are still alive in the twinkling of an eye. Yes. We shall, we shall be with the Lord. The, the fourth key is also in John chapter 3 verse 5. Now it says, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of, the God, of God. Now, John 3 3 says, except a man be born again, he cannot see. Verse 5 now says, except he is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. Why does it look as if one says you are seeing the kingdom, another is saying you are entering into the kingdom? A man's eyes can be open to see, but he's not taking steps in order to approach the kingdom of God. Maybe because he's under delusion or he's under bewitchment. Yes. A man can be a man can be a Christian and yet is bewitched. Yes. How do I know? Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Galatia. And said, oh foolish Galatia, who has bewitched you? Galatia was a Christian church. It was not an anti-Christian society. They were Christians calling the name of the Lord. But Paul says, you guys are foolish. And at the same time, you guys are bewitched. So foolishness brings bewitchment. You may not like the word, <laughs> but it is biblical. Yes? Except... Yes, it's there. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. If you want to confirm, please do. Yes. Oh foolish Galatia, who has bewitched you? So they are foolish and they are bewitched. They are foolish and they are bewitched. They are foolish and they are bewitched. The same way a modern Christian can be foolish and is bewitched because you are not looking into the perfect law of life. Because you are not taking cognizance of every, every little comma and, uh, and the dots of the, of the scriptures. Said, even though heaven and earth pass away not even the dot of, of God's word will pass away please understand we have no other way of escape God has made ways of escape for us via the word so the word is our strongest weapon the, the ballistic missiles the weapons of mass destruction and the weapon of mass life that we have is the word of God it's everything that we have cherish the word go back to the word let the word of God dwell richly in you. Understand the scriptures. Spend time. Let the word dwell inside of you. Except a man be born of, the, of water and of the spirit. What does it, born, what does it mean to be born, born of water? Not necessarily water baptism. Not necessary. Yes. I believe in the tenets of Christianity. I believe in water baptism. Please. I am also water baptized. And that's why my name is Israel. Baptized and confirmed. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I can I, I would like to call your eyes to something. Did you notice the thief by the right hand that Jesus forgave on the cross? And he said, Today, meet me in paradise. I don't think that guy did water baptism, but yet he made paradise. Because there was no opportunity as at that time. So there was a waiver. God waved it for him. But if you, that you are living, have, have an opportunity, water baptism is just a, a sign that you have died and uh, you have uh, resurrected with Christ, which is a, a symbol, an outer representation, a confirmation to people that now you are baptized. 
it's a tenet. It's an ordinance. I believe it. But in that sense, um, except you are born of, of water, the Bible says, sanctify them by the washing of the water, which is the word of God. So you have to be baptized in God's word. Let the word of God do it richly. You, it's, there he's talking about the word. The word. The word and the spirit. Don't forget, in the book of Luke, the angel stood before Mary and spoke the word that um, you, you are going to be pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And Mary said, how shall this be? Knowing that I am, that I, I do not know a man. And the angel said, when the power of God, when the power of on high, which is the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. So as the angel spoke the word, Mary took in. So the word became flesh. John chapter number one. Yes. The word became flesh. And we beheld his glory as of only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. John chapter 6, I think verse 63. Therefore, the word I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the word of God carries spirit and it carries life. It is not different from John 3, 5. Except you are born of the, of the water and of the spirit. You cannot, you cannot enter. So our ability to stay in the place of the word of God and our ability to stay in the place of the spirit is key, is vital. No substitute, please. No substitute. Except, so we have to fill our thoughts. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. In fact, the Bible is so clear that it even tells us what and what we should think about, which we should watch, the kind of movies. It's there. What we should think and meditate upon. They guide your heart so diligently, for out of it are the issues of life. So, life emanates from our hearts. No wonder the Bible says, let Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you as it is also in Christ Jesus. This mind, this mind, this mind, not that mind, this kind of mind, not any other kind, this mind. God is specific. And what is the standard of that mind? The mind of Christ. Philippians 4, 8 now says, if anything be true, loving, peaceable, and gave us characteristics, I said, meditate upon it. There is no way you will study the word of God and you will not meditate. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. There is no way. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth. I will meditate upon it day in, day out, morning and night. You must keep meditating. And all these things will grant you access into the spirit. It's going to build your spirit, man. Yes. We have been receiving emails and questions and answers, um, text messages, WhatsApp messages. Um, how, how can we live a life of the Spirit? How can we live a life pleasing to the Lord? How can we? These are the keys. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. When you walk with the Lord in the light of his wrath, what a glory sheds on my way. When you do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Key number five. You have that in John chapter six. And I would like to read that very specifically. John chapter number six. John chapter number six from verse 53. It reads here. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood, ye have no life in you. Have you seen that? Aha. 
So there are two types of life. Your natural life and the God's kind of life that is called Zoe. The God's kind of life. The life that is not subject to sickness. Subject that is not in that is not that is uh, a life that is not subject to satanic intimidation, harassment, perversion. The God's kind of life, the kind of life that Jesus lived. That's what he's talking about here. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood at eternal life. So we're talking about eternal life now. Not the biological life. But when you have the eternal life, then you've got the biological and the eternal. And I will raise him up at the last day. So it takes an eternal life to be raised at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Oh God, what a union. What a union. What a union. What a union. So for you to be united, for you to live in Christ, and Christ lives in you, Say except that word except means if you don't do it, no other thing works. Except means this is the only way. Forget whatever scholars are telling you. Forget whatever is your opinion. In fact, it is dangerous to read your opinion into the scriptures. It's very dangerous. Let God be through and every man a liar. Don't add. But if you add, the Lord will add to your punishment. If you subtract, the Lord will also subtract from your life. Please let God's word remain God's word. Let us, as preachers, let us, let us keep our opinions away. Let our opinions not be relevant. Accept God's thoughts. I know my thoughts towards you. God's thought is what matters. Not what I feel. This is how I... Remove your sensations and your emotionalism. Take emotions out of it. And be practical with the word of God. And that is the only way the word of God can bless you. People hear the word, but because it has not mixed with faith, let this, let this message mix, let this podcast mix with faith in your spirit. Yes. So the Bible says, except you eat my flesh and you drink my blood. What does that mean? Aha. Hope you know that the last, um, at the supper, or the, the last communion, where Jesus had all these um, apostles seated at, at the dining table. And he broke the bread and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them. He said, take, eat. I think you have that in First Corinthians chapter number 11. He said, take, eat this. For this is my flesh. Aha. And yesterday while I was meditating, the, the Holy Ghost spoke to him. He said, everybody is, everybody is the eater of flesh and a drinker of blood. It now depends on whose flesh and blood that you are drinking. Yes. It's not only witches and wizards that eat flesh and drink blood. Oh, it's in the Bible. Yes. We are supposed to be eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. It's called the communion. Communion. It's a typology of what we have in Second Corinthians chapter number 13, verse 14. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet communion of the Spirit, the sweet fellowship of the Holy Ghost. Rest with us now and forevermore. Amen. So as Christians, there are three things that the Lord has given unto us. First, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So grace animates from Christ. And what does grace mean? Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Now the Bible says, Now the grace of God has appeared unto all men. All, not unto few men, not to most men. All men has grace. Now the grace of God has appeared unto all men to live godly life. So grace empowers godliness and holiness in our life. Let me, let me say that very emphatically. I respect those who preach the grace message, but they should please do not preach it out of balance. Grace is not a license for immorality. Grace is, a, grace is an empowerment for righteousness. 
Grace is an empowerment for holiness. Now the grace of God has appeared unto all men to live godly life, teaching us to deny ungodliness. Grace teach us to deny ungodliness. Yes. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Let us approach the throne of grace that we may find mercy in the time of need. Mercy and grace, the empowerment for righteousness and holiness. And only the needy can, only the needy can, can, can find grace to, and to find grace in the time of help or in the time of need. So when you are needy, what you need is grace. <laughs> Do you understand what we are trying to explain? Grace. Grace. The grace message. So, unless you understand that communion of the Spirit is another key to living a life that is pleasing to God. The communion. When you commune with the Holy Ghost. Now, how, the question now is how often do I commune and how can I commune and what are the steps of communion? Aha. You, in fact, the Bible says we should fellowship with the Spirit 247 every hour of the day, every minute, every second. Yes. Yes, you fellowship in the place of prayer, deep prayer. If you are baptized with the, if you are baptized with praying in tongues, you know, it's good. You just pray in tongues, you pray in tongues for hours and hours. Even if you have not built your capacity and your 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 prayer endurance for that long, just pray ten minutes, five minutes. Man, did that about shata, legged about suta, limbrado shata, me nananano zubrahan darado shata. Just pray in tongues, just pray in tongues, just prophesy upon your life, say good things, confession of faith. Yes, that's how you have communion. You stay in the place of the word of God, studying the scriptures, take enough time, meditating the scripture, take it in as tablets, as drugs, as medicine and no sickness will ever work on you. It does not matter the outburst of infirmity. It does not matter what people say. The Bible says, a thousand shall fall by your right hand, ten thousand by your left. It will not come near you. With your eyes you will see and behold the reward of the wicked. Yes. The Bible has not promised that everything is going to be perfect around us. But as for me and my household, you will be saved. As for you and your loved ones, the Lord is going to keep you. Yes. How do you communion in the place of worshipping? Sweet Holy Spirit, just worship Him, just adore Him. Hallowed be Your name. Just worship God, Lord, Your Majesty, Divine Authority. Hallowed be Your name. Just worship the Lord, just bless His name, hallow His name, reference His name, just submit before Him, just bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Just bless God, just worship God. Even when you are driving, you can do that. Even when you are on your job, you can do that. Even if your job is very demanding, you can take some hours and pray like the Jews pray every three, three hours. You can decide to go to the toilet and just talk to God in five, ten minutes. You can meditate even, even when you are not talking. Just meditate on, on the word of God, which is about the best thing anybody can do. You know, the Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. The meditation, the meditation, the meditation of my heart. So, whether you are praying the word of your mouth or you are meditating, both is acceptable before the Lord. Meditate on good things. You can live, you can cultivate an atmosphere, an atmosphere of the spirit. Yes, John 6, uh, 6, 3. Therefore, the word I speak are spirit and their life. As you begin to speak good things, you are building a spiritual environment around your life. You are building a shield that the devil, the missiles of the devil cannot touch you. It's in the Bible. The arrows that fly yet by day and destruction that wasted at noon day. It will not come near you. Why? Because you have built a spiritual environment. Yeah. 
If you can learn to pray in tongues for one hour every day, Kabaneko Shatalia Kuteketa, Prinoku Patalia Gabragado Shata, you will take charge of the day. Pray in tongues for one hour, you will control the day for 24 hours. And as you do it, you are also rehearsing to step into the spirit. This is where the prophetic starts from. Your ability to dwell in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord rub his presence upon you. Was that not what Moses did? Moses tarried in God's presence for 40 days. And when he came down, the Bible says his face was shining like light. You know why? Because God himself is light. The Shekinah glory of the Lord had rubbed upon him. That Moses had to be using a blanket to cover his face. Yeah? If you want your life to shine, spend time in God's presence. This Ovihovi, Ozuhozu, Azuhazu, will not you do anything. Spend time. Even if your job is demanding, while on that job, carry God there. Carry God about. Be a God carrier. A God chaser, a God carrier. Present God to your generation. Yeah. And all these things that you have. Bible says, seek it for the kingdom of God. Ah! Not this righteousness, all these things, not few, not some, all these things, everything will come. All these things shall come. Yeah, that's that's the place of communion. Except you eat the flesh and drink of the blood, of which anybody can do it, but make sure that you are living a holy life. Because Bible says they die eat it unworthily, they die unworthily. Yeah, but make sure that you are worthy. You can do the communion as often as possible in faith. And you see sicknesses will vanish. We have testimonies and testimonies. Oh my God. We have testimonies and testimonies. Yeah. But please, make sure it is not alcoholic drinks. Aha. You can do it with some little, little drinks. And if you are a man of faith, even with water, 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 drinking water, bless it and apply faith. It works. For this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. I believe in faith. And faith is a victory. Faith is the force that supplies God's grace to our lives. Yes. The sixth key to living a life that pleases God is, is found in Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. I would like to read this very specifically to you. It says, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and of the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh my God. Except your righteousness shall exceed that of the scribes and of the Pharisees. What does righteousness mean? You've got to live a a righteous life. Righteousness means you have a right stand with God. Or, so that you will not have a sense of guilt and condemnation. Let guilt and condemnation not dwell in your heart. And for, the only way is for you to keep living right. Every time it seems as if you are making a mistake, quickly come back to God. When it looks as if you are sliding backwards, you are backsliding, please slide back, front slide. Stop backsliding. Start front sliding. Front slide back to God. Yes. For the grace to front slide, Titus 2.11, is already on you. Yes? Righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. It's there in the Bible. Yes. Not only that Ron can only sang it as song, it's there in the scriptures. 
Righteousness. Righteousness is what makes you stand in, in front of God. Let me explain. One of the one of the best examples to draw is the example is the example of Elijah when he stood before Ahab. You get that in First Kings, I think, chapter seventeen or nineteen, when um, Elijah was telling Ahab that um, before the Lord will I stand? Meaning, if you are a righteous man, you keep standing in presence of the Lord. Even when you are standing in front of a king. Now, to Elijah, there were three people that were there. Ahab, Elijah, and the Lord before whom Elijah stood. But to Ahab, there were only two. Ahab and Elijah. Until you have a righteousness mentality, you will not know before whom you stand. Please, be very conscious of God that you always stand in God's presence. Please. Eh? Joseph was in the prison. But the Bible says this very emphatically. For the Lord was with him. Even in the presence, he was still standing before the Lord. The reason why so many people are falling into sin and scandal is because they are not conscious of before whom they stand. Every time you want to commit a sin, if a consciousness, if a prophetic consciousness of God, the, the, the apostolic presence comes upon you, it will withdraw you. You have the power. Please, I plead with you. I plead with you. The flesh profited nothing. The spirit quickness. The flesh profited nothing. The spirit is a life-giving spirit. It, it, permit the Holy Ghost to give life to your spirit. The flesh will not profit anything. Please. 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 Before the Lord will I stand. Now, who are the scribes? Is from the word transcribe. Those that transcribe Bible. It means they are knowledgeable about the scriptures. The doctors of the law. Who are the Pharisees? Those who claim that they knew the law. Maybe I should quickly divulge how, how they started. You remember that in the Old Testament, the Lord asked Moses to put his spirit upon 70 elders. <laughs> so those 70 elders were men that knew the law. Then Moses now put the spirit. So they were a typology of the word plus the spirit. But by the New Testament, they had lost the spirit. All they now had was the law. And don't forget, without the spirit, you can do nothing. So they now started quoting the law, quoting the law, quoting the law. In fact, the the problem that Jesus faced was purely because of was purely because of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yes. Please don't be a modern day Pharisee. Let me put it in very simple English. Those that are far to see the truth. Pharisee. Who are the Sadducees? Those who are sad to hear the truth. Hmm? You know, some people now, when you start preaching the truth to them, they get angry. They don't want it. But the Bible says in, in Proverbs, buy the truth and do not sell it. I think Proverbs chapter 23, 23. Or is it 22, 22? Buy the truth and sell it not. Invest in the truth. It will yield you an harvest or dividends. Return on your investment of the truth is certain. Yes? Buy the truth and sell it not. You can never change all these things. The truth is there. So, accept your righteousness. Now, don't forget, the Pharisees were those that say, we fast two times in a week. Very religious sect. Now, the Bible is not asking us to be religious because Christianity is not a religion, it's a way of life. I'm, I'm happy about that. Because where the wind blew it, we follow the leading of the Spirit as many as are led by the Spirit. 
To please God, you have to be led by the Spirit. To please God, you have to be led by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. For it is impossible to please God without faith. Do you understand? Now, what God is just trying to say is that you have to know, you, you have to know the truth and stand on the truth. Even though at times you have to be flexible. Please, I have not said compromise. Flexibility is not equal to compromise. Please. There are two different things. Say, accept your righteousness. To please God, you have to be righteous. And the very last key is found in John chapter number 15. I would like to quote that. I love it. I love that. John chapter 15, verse 4, 6. It says, abide in me and I in you. Oh God, have you seen that? You are in God. And whenever you abide in God, for example, if you abide in a house, from outside the gate, nobody will see you in that house. It is the house that they will see. So if you abide in God, men will not see you. What they will see is God around you. Anywhere you see them talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus. He's the owner, he's the owner, he's the owner of my life. He's the owner, he's the owner, he's the owner of my life. Anytime you see them talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus. He's the owner, he's the owner, he's the owner of my life. Let me explain that again. I in my father and my father in me. Let me explain this. It means if you abide, please understand this. If you abide, except ye abide. Except. That means if you don't abide, you can do nothing. Let me read that again for you. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except ye abide in the vine. No more. Can ye except ye abide in me? Verse 5. I am divine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. Have you seen it? It's a two-way thing. That same you bringeth forth much fruit. If you are going to be much fruitful, your fruitfulness is only in the place of abiding. Your fruitfulness is only in the... You can only be fruitful if you abide, if you are an abider. If a man abide not, look at that. If you don't abide, if a man abided not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Why are people withering? Why are people un- unsuccessful? Because they are not abiders. Because they don't abide. You may go to church, does not mean you abide. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Have you seen God say men, men will burn? Aha, good. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall shall ask what ye will, whatever you want, and it shall be done unto you. Have you seen that? That's very interesting. One of the conditions to receiving whatever you want is to abide. Once you abide, whatever you ask the Father, the Father will do. One of the conditions to receiving anything whatsoever ye ask, is to abide. My question now is this. Are you an abider? Are you an abider? To abide means when, when men are looking for you, all that they will see is God. And when men are looking for God, all that they will see in you, all that they will see in God is you. 
you have been united. There's a unity. Your, your, your life is lost. You are lost in the love of God. When, whenever men are looking for God, once they can see you, they can see God. If they are looking for God, they see you. If they are looking for you, they see God. That's what it means to abide. And that is the same thing that David was trying to say in Psalm 91. That he that dwelleth in the secret place. Let me explain that. To abide is to dwell. Please understand that. To abide is to dwell. 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 And then where do you abide? You abide in the secret place of the Most High. It is not the open place. There are times that the Lord will want you to to sacrifice. There are times that the Lord will want you not to see anything. There are times that the Lord will want you to just hide yourself in the secret place, in the Shekinah glory. That when men are trying to look at the light, they, they cannot even see you. All they see is just God. Say, he that dwelleth in the secret place, not the open place. A, a lot of people are looking for premature manifestation. They want to come out and shine. Bah, bah, bah. No, it's not like that. If you are truly working with God, there are times that the Lord will want you to just be there. 40 days, say nothing. Yes? Did you not read it in the book of Ezekiel? But say, and the Spirit of the Lord took, took Ezekiel to a particular value. Say, I sat where they sat. And I did say nothing. I can talk, I can talk. No, there are times the Lord will want you to shut up. To abide means there are times the Lord will want you to give up your rights. Yes. Everyone just wants you to just... Or to abide means to obey totally. <laughs> Let me put it that way. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. He that dwelleth to abide. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Where are you abiding? Under the shadow of the Almighty. And at that place, eh, no evil shall befall you. No disaster near thy dwelling. Yes. With your own eyes, you see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the most high your habitation. <laughs> even the most high your habitation, even the most high your habitation is to make God your habitat, your natural habitat. But you see, the problem we have is that a lot of people are not abiders, they are visitors in the house of God. They are just, hello, hi, God, what's up? Are you there, God? Hey, hey, buddy. Oh my God. God is beyond the friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. Please, God is beyond the friend. He's a father. He's a confidant. He's everything. He's everything to me. In him we have our being. God is everything to us. He's beyond explanations. I don't know if I can explain this. But except you abide. You know, the verse 2 of Psalm 91 now says, And I will say of the Lord. Some version says, And I will testify of the Lord. So, the moment you start abiding in verse 1, you will testify in verse 2. Or, testimony will start rushing and flowing into your life. Testimony that cannot be hidden. Why? Because you are an abider. It's very simple. Because you are an abider. Please, I plead with you, continue to abide in the presence of the Lord. Continue to live in the presence of the Lord so that your life can be very pleasing to God. Live a life that is most pleasing to God. And may the Almighty God help us all in Jesus' name. Please do not forget. Perhaps you have not you have not truly repented. You are not converted. You are not yet born again. Just take this simple prayer with me. Father Lord, have mercy upon me. I would like to know you. I would like to work with you. 
please wash me with your blood. Sanctify me. Write my name in the book of life and strengthen me with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. May the Lord bless you. May you prosper. May you flourish. But one thing I know is there's going to be another fellowship on the last day. I want to live eternal life, God save my soul. I want to live eternal life, God save my soul. Eternal life, eternal life. I want to live eternal life, God save my soul. I want to live eternal life, God save my soul. I know there is another fellowship in heaven. Do you know there is another fellowship in heaven? I know there is another other fellowship in heaven. Eternal life. Eternal life. I want to live eternal life. God save my soul. I want to live eternal life. God save my soul. Are you in the number? Are you in the number? Saved by the grace. I am in the number. I am in the number. Saved by the grace. May the grace of the Lord save you now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nigeria, I am Adela Moses Adeodu, your favorite podcaster. And in the studio here with me, I have God's son, Israel Shudipo. This morning, we shall be digging into the God's words on a seven-part series, Christ's Model or Pattern on Revival, an exposition into the mystery of the letters to the seven churches. So, my uh, man of God, I believe God has a word for everyone at a time like this. Oh, yes. God has always had word. The problem is that we have not always listened. That's why the scripture says, let him that has ear, hear what the spirit is saying. Not what the spirit has said, but what the spirit is saying. Because the spirit is always talking. He's always saying something. Mm. Our inability to hear does not mean God has only been silent. Mm. What the spirit said, present continuous tense to the church. Good. Good. Now, don't you think it's addressed to churches? Yes. I would say it is and it was. But you know that the word of God never dies. For the word of God is ye and amen. In the interpretation of the book of Revelation, it has three interpretations. Yes, I quite agree with you that in the days of Apostle John, those churches truly existed. The church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the church of Pagamos, the church of Tatra, the church of Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. They mm. truly existed in Asia Minor. Now the modern day Turkey, of which some of them have been pulled down. So I quite agree. But that is the first interpretation. It's to the local churches. Two, it's a prophetic book. If you listen to it, you said seven letter to the seven churches. Seven means perfection, completion, according to the Jewish law. Number seven means something perfect. So it's for the perfect or the holistic church for all the churches, irrespective of the local church. That's the second school of thought. On, interpre- uh, on interpretation of um, revelation. Do you understand? Yeah. And the third is that it's actually for individuals. Now, you may be an individual that you are manifesting the characteristics of the church of Ephesus. 
you might be an individual that you are manifesting the characteristics of the church of Pagamos, or the church of Laodicea, or the church of Philadelphia, or the church of Tertia, or the church of Sardis. Do you understand? Mm. So there are three approaches to interpretation, and three of them are right. It could be first to the church as at that time, because those churches truly existed. But if those churches do no longer exist, then we should be talking about individuals. Because right in the book of Revelation chapter 1 and 2, the, the Bible says, hear what the Spirit is saying to you. He that has an here. He did not say the church that has an here. He that has an here. Meaning it is actually for individuals. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. Say for ye are the temple of God or ye are the church of God. So the church is not the blocks and the cement and the cathedrals. It is actually you. Bible says, and that the Spirit of the Lord dwells in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6. That the Spirit of God now dwells in you. And you know, my body is your sanctuary or my body is your temple. So you are the church. So your life may replicate Smyrna or Laodicea or Ephesus or Philadelphia. Hmm. Hmm. Do you understand? So when we are saying letter to seven churches, don't just be seen as a church, as a church. No, you are that church. It is you that the Spirit of God dwells in. Good. So why building cathedrals and not building human? We, we, we build human too. And will build magnificent cathedrals. Well, my school of thought is in the days of adversity, as, as my senior pastor would always say, as my senior pastor would always say, that um, persecution is still the greatest sanctifying power of the church. Do you understand? In the days of persecution, it is the lives that have been built, it's the people that are strong that will defend the cathedrals that we are building. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we cannot afford to joke with what the Bible has given us as uh, the unveiling of the scriptures, which is revelation, or the apocalypsis, what, what the scripture has said, especially that which is about to come, so that it does not come on us all of a sudden. Mm. If, if, if anything happens to the body of Christ, or to you and I, our listeners from several continents of the world, mm. we, um, thank God for some of you that you have been following us from the United States, from the United Kingdom, from Canada, from India, mm-hmm. from, um, from Trin- Poland, Trin- Trinidad from Trinidad and, Trinidad and Tobago, from Kenya, from, from several nations. We, yes, we bless God for your life. But what we are trying to say is, is if anything goes wrong, then um, God cannot be held accountable because he has given you the revelation. He has revealed it only that you did not open it. Mm. So God, God's hands are clear because God has done his part. So we must, of all books to look at, Revelation is the number one. Because it tells us our destination, where we are going. Mm. And it is where we are going that we should focus on more. Not only where we are coming from. Do you understand? Yeah. Revelation reveals more about the kingdom of God and the qualifications to enter into that kingdom. What will it profit us if we have achieved everything on earth? But because we have failed to look at the constitution um, book of God, which is Revelation, and we miss it. Then shame, big shame, to us as a church, as individuals around several nations, whether you are called of God or not, whether you are a minister of God, whether in, in whatever capacity you serve in the kingdom, the book of Revelation is still one of the most important books, for the most unique book of the Bible. Hmm. Yes, sir. That's it. So now, don't you think it's addressed to churches? No, I just mentioned it now, that it is also to individuals. You know, I, I cited a verse now yeah. that said, um, He that has an here, he, not the church, he, he, he. So you are the church, he that has an here, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to us. 
to the church. Yes. Now, can we relate it to our lives? Oh, yes. According to what you just said and what you read, I want to just shed a light on it, just briefly. You are that church. It is the individual that makes up the church. And you are a member of that church. Jonathan, now, if you, as an individual, you study this book and you are revived, it's going to bring corporate revival. Because those are the two types of revival that we have. Either individual revival or corporate, bracket open, church revival. Jonathan, and it is the individual revival that will spark the corporate revival. When you are revived and revived is revived. Yes. Sir, I have never been this troubled in my history, in all my lifetime as a Christian, than the outbreak of COVID. When I expect that, I don't know. It's, it's just to show you that something is missing in the body of Christ. We have drifted. Hmm. How? Even those who hold the mystery of the gospel, they are quite silent. Because something is missing. We are forsaken our first love. Hmm. Mm. Thank you. Then how vetted is Revelation? In fact, the book of Revelation is still the most vetted book of the Bible. I'm sure you will agree with me that the Bible says in the book of Timothy that the scripture was given to us uh, through the inspiration of holy men. But the book of Revelation says it was a book from God to Jesus, given to the angel to now show apples to John and to give it to the church. Hmm. So it has passed through a five-fold process of vetting. Vet, God vetted, Jesus vetted, the angel vetted, the apostle John. And I hope you agree with me that apostle John is one of the most uh, pillar. You know, John means love. Yeah. And the Bible says, of these three, um, love, hope, hmm. and faith, Jonathan. You now say love is the greatest. And John is that apostle of love. Yeah. Hmm. And giving to the church. And the Bible says, and the gate of God shall not prevail. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. That's how strong. So the quality control or the quality assurance of the book of Revelation is, is extremely excellent. If there's any word like that. Hmm. From God to Jesus to the angel to the apostle and to the church. So, I stake my life on the authenticity of the book. Mm. That's powerful. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. So, please, do a quick summary of the seven churches. Okay. Revelation typically talks about seven churches, and I said earlier that seven means a number of perfection. So, God is trying to x-ray all the denominations across the world. Be it church of... The Orthodox, the Catholic, the Anglican, the, the irrespective, there is a the microscope of God, the X-ray eyes of God is on the church now. Even though Bible only mentioned seven. Now, when the, the Bible was talking about the book of Ephesus, it was telling us that they had many great qualities, but they lacked in something. A church that lacked love, a loveless church. So you're, you may you may have so many great Christian qualities. But you, are, but you may be a loveless Christian. Hmm. Hmm? Hmm. Now, the second church the Bible mentioned is called the Church of Smyrna. That was a church that remained faithful and missed persecution. For example, in some nations of the world, the Christians that have been persecuted, 
But even in the midst of that persecution, some people are still standing tough and standing right. And you know, the Bible says, and they love not their life, even unto the point of death. So that is a very good example of a church of, of, um, of Smyrna. Now, for the church of Smyrna, there was no, there was no, uh, um, Christ did not accuse them of anything. He only strengthened them and he encouraged them that they should continue to remain faithful. Hmm. I tell you that there are still people that are faithful. You know, the Bible says, except the Lord of hosts has left us some, some survivors, we will have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. God will always have survivors. He will always have his remnants, those that will not bow. Hmm. So that's the, that's the summary of the book of, um, of the Church of Smyrna, or the Smyrna Christians. Mm-hmm. Then there's the Pagamos Christians. Pagamos are just those who have compromised their belief, and they've gone into paganistic practices. Pagamos, pagan, pagan, pagamos church, paganistic. They have added a bit of idolatry. Instead of Christology, what they now have is Christopaganism. They've matched mm-hmm. paganism plus plus Christology, and they presented it to the church. So, Can you please explain that paganism? Because some people don't understand, may not understand. By the time you start adding paganistic ideas, examples, rituals, idols, you bring images, you bow down to images. When the same Bible tells us that even though if our picture is shown from heaven, thou shalt not bow, and cause is any man. Hmm. In hmm. fact, the Bible says if they introduce strange doctrine, eh? Yeah. Paul placed a curse. When strange doctrine is introduced, Paul placed a curse. Hmm. Do you understand? Yes. The same Bible in the book of Revelation now says, do not add, neither should you subtract. If you add, God will add to your punishment. Hmm. If you subtract, you will also subtract from your reward. Do you understand me, sir? Yes. It will... It, it, it's, it's there in the Bible. So, those are good examples of the church of Pagamos. I don't. Especially some of them that claim to be this prophetic. prophetic. Jonathan? Yes. Some of them are waiting for the move of an angel instead of coming back to the word of God. They want to rely on, on visions and prophecies instead of relying on the undiluted word of God. Mm. Those are pagan practices. Jonathan? Yeah. The idea of... Um, in the African context, some would prefer to go and bath at the sea. Hmm. It's wrong. Why not just be, plead the blood and be washed by the blood of the lamb? Some would like, you know, they, they, I would prefer we deal, maybe when we come to the church of Pagamos, we are going to unveil what the Bible is saying okay. about the church of Pagamos. Yes. Then the church, yes. Then the church of Tiatira. That is the church that follows false prophets. That was the church that permitted Jezebel to be teaching. That mm. woman, who was a witch, who called herself a prophetess. Why have you permitted that? So that typically talks about people who are not qualified, people who are not qualified to, people who are not qualified to stand on the altar. Mm. But they want to teach. They want to uh, play a uh, power game on the altar. Then uh, the church of Sardis. But the Bible says Sardis was spiritually dead. They had the reputation that they were alive, but God said they were dead. That's the church of Sardis. Do you get me, sir? The church of Sardis. They had the reputation that they were alive, but by the agenda of God, God said they were dead. So it is not enough that we are building cathedrals, that we are putting signboards, that we are spending money on advertisements. It's not enough. But it is enough for us to get Christ into the people. In fact, this is my definition of revival. 
Revival is not getting our churches filled with people. Revival is getting our people filled with Christ. Hmm. That is the true revival, sir. Hmm. You may have an influx of people in the church, yet the people are not revived. How do I know? Revelation, um, the book of uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, talking about the value of the dry bones. He said the bones were very many and very dried. So you can have very many people and very spiritually dried people. That's an example of the church of Sardis. Because they've missed the whole agenda, the whole point of Christianity. Out of imperceptible deviation, little by little, little by little, you are making mistakes, you are making errors. Nobody can correct you, yet you are not even going back into the word of the Lord. Jonathan, Hmm. we must keep looking into the perfect law of liberty. Looking at the mirror, which is the word of God. So that at every point that we are drifting away, we must accept that there are issues in the church, in the body of Christ, in our individual life that we must deal with. Hmm. If not, then we are missing it. Then there is the church of Philadelphia, which patiently has waited on Christ. Hmm. Do you understand? That is the church of Philadelphia. Despite their weakness, they, they waited on Christ. And then the church of Laodicea. That is the church that had a lukewarm faith. Even though they looked as if they were prosperous, they had um, industrialization and it was a commercial um, center. But yet the scripture says that that particular church still had a lukewarm faith. That particular church still had a lukewarm faith. So, can we now pick from the first church? Okay. I would like to pick my reading from Revelation chapter number 2. It says, write a letter to the leaders of the church at Ephesus Hmm. and tell him this. Now, the church at Ephesus. Don't forget that um, Apostle Paul wrote the book to the church of Ephesus or the Ephesian church. Hmm. And the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 20 gives up the background on on what this church that um, John was talking about. Because that was the church that Apostle Paul had preached for about three years consistently there. Hmm. The book of Ephesians helps us to understand the profound degree to which they had been taught of the truth. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, 12, what we, all, we always quote most. Can you hmm. remember that? Sir? Yeah. We that was the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse yes. 12. For, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So it's a church that understood spiritual warfare. Yeah. Quite another church. Spiritually gifted church. It's the same church that the Bible is talking about. Now, write a letter to the church of Ephesus, which was the book of Ephesians. Do you understand? Mm. Yes. So now says, it, it's a church that Paul spent three years teaching. Mm. They understood who they were in Christ, mm. how to work with Christ, and how to engage in spiritual warfare. Yeah. Of course, when I say spiritual warfare, I, I know you agree with me that there are three levels of spiritual warfare. Yes. Do you understand? Yeah. The ground level, the occult level, and the strategic warfare. Mm. So this church understood it clearly. Their problem was not their failure to understand good doctrine. Their problem was, was not that they lacked perseverance. This church existed during one of the most difficult times in all of the Christian history, beginning in the 54 AD, Anno Domino, with the Emperor Nero, and there was widespread persecution of um, Christians. Mm. So, um, Apostle Paul, Apostle John, was writing. Now I'm over verse 2. I write to inform you of a message from him who works from the churches and owns their leaders in his right hand. Mm. Meaning, Christ always wants to control the leadership and the administration of our churches. Mm. He says to you, I know, I know how many good things you are doing. Sorry, I am I'm, um, 
I'm not using King James because I want everybody to understand this in very simple English. So okay. I think this is new, new living translation. All Something right. quite simple to understand. Yeah. So it says to you, I know how many good things that you are doing. Everyone is doing one good thing or the other. We agree. I have watched your hard work and your patience. Hmm. So patience was not your problem. Hard work in the church was not your problem. Hmm. I know you. Don't, I know you don't tolerate sin among your members. Hmm. That's beautiful. What a church. They, they never tolerated sin. Mm. And you have carefully examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles, but they are not. Mm. Even amongst your leaders, you can discern who, who, is, who, who is right and who is wrong. You have found out how they lie. You have patiently suffered. Suffered for me without quitting. Mm. That was good. Yet, there is one thing wrong. You don't love me as at the first. King James calls it, thou hast forsaken thy first love. Think about those things. Think about those times of your first love. How different now. And turn back to me again and walk as you did before. Or else I will come and remove your candlestick from its place among the churches. But there is about that is good. You ate the deeds of the licentious Nicolaitans just as I do. Let this message sink into the ears of anyone who listens to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Hmm. So that was a church that had so many great qualities. Many admirable qualities, but one tragic flaw. And their flaw was that they had become loveless. Do you understand me, sir? Yeah. A beautiful church. So many great works. They were patient. They rebuked the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They rebuked the deeds of the Nicolaitans. But the Bible said they were loveless. Hmm. Now, I began to check in my spirit that why did the Bible say they were loveless? Why is the Bible making emphasis on love? But if you love me, then you keep my, my commandments. Yes. John, I think John 13, 35, that if you are my disciples, then you will love one another. So it boils down back to love is the greatest of all commandments in the church. So they had every other thing, but they lost the main. For love is the summary of all the Ten Commandments. Hmm. So they, they, they were holding on to every other thing, but they lost the major. Oh my God. I, I wish you understood that. Say, this, you did well. That, you did well. Your work. You, you have built church. You have donated money. Eh? You are not fornicating. You are not involved in sexual immorality. Mm. You have not permitted Jezebel amongst the leaders of your church. Mm. But love, you have forsaken your first love. So, what does first love mean? Two words. First love. The love that you had for me at the beginning. When our love affair, your spiritual romance, when it started with me, what was your spiritual fervency and temperature like? How you loved me to the point of death. No, the Bible says, and they love not their life. Mm. It didn't say, and they prayed not their life. They love not their life. So there's a point a man will love his life that you are ready to stake your life for Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his only begotten. So that, that meaning any love that you claim you love Christ and that you cannot live your life for Christ or you cannot go into Matthiadom, mm. it does not worth it. Mm. 
This is the question I even ask myself when I'm studying the scriptures. That, oh God, help me to love you. Help me to pant after you. Psalm 42. As the deer panted after, after water, my soul longed for you. I thirst for thee. Do you understand? Your first love. Your first love is in two dimensions, sir. The first dimension to God. The second dimension to humanity. Six o'clock. Six o'clock, yes. One hand is pointing up. The other hand is pointing down. The hand of the clock. The greater one points to God. The greater one points to God. How can you claim that you love God when you don't even love the brethren that you can see? If you love us, will you be bombing our churches? Hmm. Will you be making the decrease against the body of Christ? Hmm. It also show if you are shedding blood, is that a proof that you love? Hmm. It's not. Lying against one another. Yes. Is that a proof? No. It's 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 it it means that the love has gone. Hmm. For that was forsaking your first love. But yet you were still carrying out every other religious activities in the church. Hmm. But the love was gone. Jonathan, yes. so you can be lethargic, you can be religious, you can be anointed, but operating without love. What does it mean when you are forsaking your first love? To forsake your first love means you are secretly grieving the Holy Spirit. And you have become insensitive to him. You are dull to God and you are dull to the things of God. When you first got born again, you know how you used to attend services, attend church programs, how you used to sit down and read your Bible. If you, if you skip reading Bible a day, you would feel you were about to die, that something great was, was, missing. was, was missing. That's what it means. You forsaken the first law. You are no longer enthusiastic, no longer excited. Things are just changing. When you got born again, 10, 20, 30 years ago, that you gave your life to Christ, when every middle of the night, you wake up and you are just weeping, how you love to see the glory of God. Mm. Is that the way you live your life now? You are just an efficient Christian. You are a member of the church of Ephesus. This letter, this message is just for you. Eh? Yes. When you start becoming satisfied with yourself, mm. rather than becoming like Jesus, there's a point some people will reach eh, that they are so full of themselves, maybe because the Almighty God has blessed them, they are satisfied with themselves. To become... Um, that was forsaking your first love. To forsake your first love is to start seeking your, your own self-opinion. When you forsake your first love, you begin to seek self-opinion, you begin to seek your own self-power, you begin to seek pride, prestige, and pleasure. Those sacrifices that you were doing, your spiritual discipline, all those things that you were doing then in order to keep up with your, your, your spiritual uh, vigor, all of those things are being gradually stopped now. It is a proof that you are forsaking your first love. You, to forsake your first love means you now, you now start trusting God less. Hello, sir. Yes, sir. When we got born again, when we gave our life, eh, yes. our faith was minimal. Hmm. Do you understand? Yes. We simply heard the message and we believed. Now that we are in Christianity for 10 years, we are, we are still doubting God. But when we are coming into faith, we never doubted that simple message. Hmm. It means that even our... Things. Yes, with simplicity of faith. Even it now means that our, our, our faith, when we were getting born again that day, even looks better Damn than God. being 10, 10, 20 years in the Lord. And yet we are still doubting it. Do you understand me, sir? Hmm. Uh-huh. 
at that point, we are trusting him less. Even our holiness now, there are a lot of things that we are now under underrating. Mm. Then, you dare not lie. You do a little thing, you go back and you are weeping. Then, you used to be a wet sinner. Now, you are a dry sinner. No matter the sin, our eyes are dry. Mm. Tears no longer come down from our face. You are forsaking your first love. You mm. start compromising. You start serving him less. For some people to do anything for Christ now in the church, to negotiate. they negotiate, they monetize. They are looking for this the amount they want, that's the amount that they want. Hmm. You cannot, see, by the time you start seeing fear, hypocrisy in people, eh? or you see them accumulating wealth, it's just a sign that they are forsaking their first law. Then, Paul said, you could even give your, your eyes, your life out to us. But now, things are fast changing. Hmm. Do you understand? Yes. When you forsake your first love, it's easy for you to now start playing politics in the church. Yes. You, you play politics and you permit maladministration. Hmm. Yeah? Nepotism. It's a sign that we are forsaking something. It's painful, but that is the truth. Hmm? Yes. Don't forget the Bible says, I know that it works. So your first works. I know how you have uh, been fighting sin. But the love part, it is gone. Hmm. Hmm? Yes. You start dimming your light and your focus on Christ and on heaven is reduced. Hmm. Hmm? Yeah. Because Christ is everything. And when you forsake, it means everything about Christ is gradually coming down in your life. You permit yourself to be distracted. Your spiritual zeal for the kingdom is coming down. Complacency is permitted in your spirit. Hmm. And after all, the Lord has helped us. This is the point that we have reached. I have been promoted by man. And you know what shocks me, sir? Some promotion by, by man may not be promotion from God. Of course. It's painful. That to be God. Your name may bear all titles. Most Apostle. reverend, opposed to. Most reverend. Right, right reverend, me. left reverend. They may not be the sign that you are still in contact with your first love. Hmm. Jonathan, yes. let me give you this quick example. You know when couples are, are in love, you see them left and left and right. By the time they are married and their love is coming down, they are still living together. But that love has come down. Mm. They may be living in different rooms in the house, mm. but people say they live in the same house. Mm. That, in my spirit, I perceive that that is how the body of Christ is now. to Christ. Yes. They've reached a point where their love has plateaued. Mm. It's declining. They've reached climax. And that's in the thought was in economics. Law of diminishing return. They, they feel they've reached the climax. So what happened? They start coming down. They start losing evangelistic zeal. Mm. It's easy. When a Christian can no longer evangelize, can no longer share the gospel, even on the Facebook, on, uh, on social media, or on the gospel media, mm. it's a sign that they, are, they have plateaued. They are already coming down. When they start seeing the world as the enemy, instead of as our mission field, hmm. it's a pure sign that we are forsaking our first love. Hmm. Do you understand? Yes. But I'm glad that the Bible also tells us the solution. God never identifies a problem without not giving a solution. Say, repent. Go back to the height from which thou was falling. Is there. Sorry, let, let me... 
you search out the verse here. Yeah, from verse 4 again. He said, yes, there is one thing that is wrong. Nevertheless, this I have against you. You don't love me as at the first. Think about those things. Now, he's talking about solution. Hmm. About, those, about those times of your first love. How different now? In your heart, you know there's a difference. Yes. You know. Of course. You no longer fast. You can no longer even pray for one hour. Oh, just one hour. Jesus told the apostle, could you not watch with me for just one hour? You mean one hour is just a child's play? It's a kindergarten school of prayer. Hmm. Not even the advanced. The beginner stage. Beginner stage, yes. The dummy stage. Hmm. Can you not just do this for me for just one hour? Do you get me, sir? Yes. Yes. Say, and turn back to me again. Or repent. The message of repentance is coming again to you this morning. Where you are forsaking your first love. Repent and come back to Christ. Hmm? And turn back to me again. And walk as you did before me. Eh? But if perhaps you don't repent, the judgment will come. Hear what he says. Or else, I will come and I will remove your candlestick from its place among the churches. Can you imagine? No wonder he said, for you have a reputation that you are alive, but you are dead. I will rem- your cathedral, your church, eh? your emblem, your logo, <laughs> your charisma on the altar. You may still remain charismatic, but God is saying it's not about charismatism. <laughs> it's about your first love. You still may be operating in your gifts, blah, 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 blah. Yes, the gift and the calling of God is without repentance. Abby, Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. The gift is there. The anointing will work. But you know that even though you are still anointed, you are not as passionate as, before. as you used to be when you first gave your life to Christ. In fact, it was your passion that, that drove you to pay the price for the release of the anointing. Mm. Now the anointing has come, you have thrown away your passion. And that is why we are plateauing. That is why the church is not moving. We, we are not expanding the frontiers of the kingdom. Does it not surprise you? How ordinary COVID, eh? mm. Corolla, Corolla, Corona, coronavirus, virus. We are shutting our churches for it. It's a slap on the body of Christ. With all due respect, it's painful. And you, you claim to be in the you you, you claim to be in the kingdom of God as a time like this, hmm. sir. It means the body of Christ should have come and speak against this. If the body, yes, if the body of Christ, sir, we believe. That shall decree a thing and it shall come to pass. Is it not in the scriptures? Yeah. Don't you believe it? Yes. We do. Sir, this is my humble suggestion. I may be wrong, but please, all our listeners, all the audience, permit me if I'm wrong. But I believe so strongly that if the church was still in her first love, that love that is burning, and they love not their life unto death, Corolla will have gone. So we would have taken it up as our responsibility as a church. As a church, as the body of Christ. You and I. And pray it out of the world. Sir. Every nation. We, we will soon get to that um, to one of the books that says, because you are no longer working, say, I will cast you on the sick bed. Is it not a sign that coronavirus is casting the church on the sick bed? Mm. Please pardon me, all, all our fathers in the Lord. Hmm. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
We can. Is that, that woman I call her um, Jezebel? I will cast her on the sick bed and I will kill her children. Hmm. It, in my opinion, it looks like hmm. the church cannot be around and darkness is raining. Yeah. This is a challenge for the church to wake up, to go back to Christ and let us let us stand our ground for Christ yes. and in Christ and with Christ yes. and before Christ. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, you've spoken on the the first church. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, because in fact, I um, there is no better time than now. This is the question I would like to ask you. If every Christian was to be like you, will Christianity make impact? If everyone is to maintain your own spiritual fervency, will there be anything called the church by now? Do you understand? Yeah. So it's, it's in fact, <laughs> the scripture is very, very clear. That the truth of the matter is that a church is made up of individuals. The passion, your love for the church will never be greater than the collective passion of all our members. If we are on fire for Christ, the passion will be reflected in our church. If we grow cold in our love for Christ, that coldness will also be evident in the life of the church. Right. Please, we are calling everyone to come back alive. Every one of us that we are forsaking our first love. Yes. Please, anywhere you are, either you are a Christian, either you are a Christian, or you are just listening to this for the first time, and, and you know that you want to be on fire for Christ. We are going to just pray this very simple prayer. We are going to pray this very simple prayer with you. Father Lord, please bring our listeners back to the place of your love. Lord, love that sets on fire, bring us back to the Calvary love. Let the fire of the gospel burn in our hearts in the name of Jesus. The fire of the gospel, let it burn in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Lord, set us on fire. Let us burn. In the name of God, let lethargy be, be broken from our churches, Amen. from our individual lives. Yes. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Lord, send your spirit of revival in our hearts. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, thank because you, you will never fail us. Thank, thank you, you, blessed Lord. In Amen. Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. 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 God bless everyone. We appreciate you. And um, thank you for listening to our podcast. You may please share this podcast with your friends and relatives. You may please share it on all social platforms and we trust that the Lord will, the Lord will send revival back into our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. We also want to thank everyone, of, everyone that has been sending letters of encouragement and those that have been sending their testimonies to us from across the world. We so much appreciate you and may the Almighty God bless you. We also would like to um, tell you to be expectant of the next episode because we intend to go through um, the seven churches. Yeah. Each church, each episode. So this is just the first episode. So please expect the teaching on the church of Smyrna. I tell you, it's going to be fantastic. In the next episode. In the next episode. Right. Yes, in a couple of days. Hmm. Bye for now, and we love you from Lagos, Nigeria. God bless everyone. Thank you, Pastor Israel. Thank you. Yeah, what oh, bless you. Amen. This is Adela Moses Adiodu, your favorite podcaster. God bless you all.
Thank you for ha for having me this morning. God bless you, sir. Thank you, sir.